So life today is um, <laughs> filled with alerts, right? We get them from innumerable sources, from our email, from our calendars, from every single app on your cell phone and mine. We're signed up for alerts of trouble coming. They all have their different sounds, dings, bings, lights. So much so that it feels like you can become kind of inured to them, sort of hardened to what they mean. You filter them out, you diminish them. They're just a part of the fabric of life that we push to the background. Now the same, I think, happens maybe for different reasons when we come to the Bible. One way to think of what's going on in the Bible is, is as a series of God alerts to people, you know. That little bit of rain that's coming is actually going to rain quite hard. Um, that burning bush, you should turn towards it and pay attention to it because something is coming. The typical pattern of an alert from God is that God is, has in mind to do something. Usually it's to bring a good or a goodness into the human community. But because of how God works, God brings goodness into the human community through humans. God doesn't typically drop goodness onto us. What God wants to do, God does through people. And so God sends an alert. I am about to bring a good into the human community, and, oh person to whom I'm talking, it's going to come through you. The typical response of the human is to look at themselves and say, I can't do that. I don't have that capability. And then God says, that's why I'm here. Okay? So alerts through and through, God continually wanting to do good things in the human community, God wanting us to know, because without the alert, either we wouldn't see what it is God's going to do, or we would misinterpret it. We would misperceive it. We would make the wrong meaning of it. And then God's setting about doing whatever it is God wants to do. So when we come to the story that we celebrate during Advent, the Christmas story, it's a conflagration of alerts. They're just everywhere. Alert, 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 right? God alerts Zechariah. God alerts Mary. God alerts um, the Magi, the wise men who come from afar. God alerts Simeon. God alerts Anna. And then today we're going to pay attention to probably the grandest alert story the one that's most dramatic and perhaps most puzzling if we really lean into it, if we filter out the way that we have diminished the meaningfulness of the alerts that come just by the way we celebrate them, the way we make things grand. We'll find at the center of this alert story a lot of things that are really puzzling that turn out to be truly meaningful and that I hope can be meaningful for each one of us here this Advent season. So this alert comes um, from the account of the life of Jesus uh, as told by Luke. And it comes right after the baby has been born. So this is from Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 6. And while they, meaning Mary and Joseph, were there in Bethlehem, it came about that the days of her bearing reached their term. And she gave birth to her son, her firstborn, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger 
because there was no room for them in the lodge. And there were shepherds in the countryside there, dwelling out in the fields and keeping guard in the night over their flock. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, and they were afraid, greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not fear, for see, I bring to you good tidings of a great joy, which will be for all the people, because today in David's city a Savior was born to you, who is the anointed Lord. And this is a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a throng of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest places and peace on earth among people of goodwill. And it happened that as the angels departed from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this story that has unfolded, which the Lord has made known to us. And hastening, they went and found both Joseph and Mary and the baby lying in the manger as well. And seeing them, they revealed what they had been told concerning this little child. And everyone who heard was amazed at the things reported to them by the angels. But Mary kept all these things in her heart, pondering them, and the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as they had been told. So, quite the alert. The first thing that I noticed is, is that it seems to me that God was either absent or not paying attention at the event planning seminar for deities. Right, Because if you're sending, like you're establishing a visiting dignitary amongst a group of people who you want to have a good connection with, the first thing you learn is that you have to plan well in advance. Because you need to schedule the right venue if a dignitary is coming to a group of people. And again, you want things to go well, you want to establish a good relationship, you need to find a good place, and that you have to schedule well in advance. You want to have an event that's impressive. So entertainment and good quality food, again, you need to arrange that well in advance. And then you want the people who are attending the event to reflect the gravity of the moment. So you're going to invite all the local dignitaries, the civic dignitaries, the mayor, the governor, some representative of the federal government. And this being a religious event, you're going to want the religious leaders to be there, priests, pastors, Pharisees, Sadducees, experts in the law. And so here we show up at this event, like the most important dignitary in the history of humankind showing up at a place and nothing's ready, right? There's no advanced planning that's occurred. Nobody's there. The venue isn't quite what you would hope it would be. And so, so I imagine like a little bit of panic or something. Um, you know, God's administrative assistant says, um, God, Jesus arriving, nothing's ready, and God goes, oh, the alert didn't go off on my calendar or something. I don't know. God, oh, no, you're kidding. We forgot. Oh. 
what are we going to do? <laughs> Let's hastily put something together, right? But then, then God still just doesn't understand how these things work. Because at least so God hasn't planned, things aren't ready. God's saying, well, let's at least get somebody there to help them out. So he looks down. He's kind of constrained. God is kind of constrained because God has to choose from amongst people who could get there really quickly. So God can't look far afield. But at least God could choose again a local religious person. Someone from the temple, a local worship community, a Pharisee, a Sadducee, an expert in the law. God could choose an upstanding civic person, the mayor, some local elected official, or at least somebody who could bring some nice food, an upstanding person of the community who could bring some blankets and some food and be a little caring and representative. As God looks, as God looks down on the available folks, his gaze shifts from town to outside of town to the fields where God sees a handful of shepherds bedding down for the night. And God says, I want them. I want my notice to go to them. <laughs> so God marshals his angels. And I imagine the angels are kind of scratching their heads like, are you sure? God says, no, I want them. I want the notice to go to them. I want you to tell them. And so the angels say, okay. So we have the alert of all alerts. Shepherds bedding down for the night. <laughs> Shepherds bedding, oh, an alert, right? <laughs> What's going to happen? Um, Shepherds bedding down for the night, and the angel of the Lord shows up. So our theme has been light shining into the darkness. And this is that, just writ large. The angel of the Lord, glowing brightly, its glory shining all around it, shows up and makes an announcement to the shepherds. Do not fear, for see, I bring to you good tidings of a great joy, which will be for all the people. Now, I would imagine the shepherds, if I'm inhabiting them, they're going to be thinking the same as everybody else. Like, did you get the wrong GPS coordinates? When you were sent to us, what are you doing here? Because these are people who are literally on the outside of the community. These are people who are thinking nobody pays attention to us. We take care of the sheep for the folks in town. But we don't have standing. We don't have voice. We don't have presence. When we come into town, you know, like, and they would know it. We smell bad. People pull away from us. It's a real question amongst people who have looked back at this time to try to understand the standing of shepherds. But the basic debate, sort of in terms of how society viewed shepherds, was either low or lower. Right? There wasn't a lot of prestige given to being a shepherd. And even when you think, well, a part of what God might want to be doing is to at least have somebody who was there to see what happened and give testimony to it. Well, there's a real question whether shepherds were allowed to give testimony in court. 
their standing was so diminished that they did not have voice. They were not given credible voice in their society or culture. So even there, you're thinking, well, God, if that's a part of what you wanted to do, you chose the wrong people. And so the shepherds are thinking, why are you here? Why are you paying attention to us? Nobody pays attention to us. Nobody knows we exist. Nobody cares what we think or feel or what we have to say. But the message of the angel is insistent. And this is a part where I think sometimes I miss it and we miss it. We generalize this. We make it lovely and glorious and delightful and bright and for everybody. But the message of the angel is to you, 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 you. Right? It is insistent. The word you is the most common word in this little section. This is for you. And it's kind of an add-on. Then it benefits others. Right? <clears throat> I bring to you good tidings of a great joy, comma, which will be for all the people. Because today in David's city, a Savior was born to you, who is the anointed Lord. To you, to you, to you. And so the shepherds are thinking, Like, they're not thinking grand and everybody and one. They're thinking, to me? To us? To to us gathered on this field here who nobody else even knows exists? And then the angel drives it home with a sign. And here again is, I think, where God either skipped or just didn't pay attention at the seminar, the seminar of divine signs. Right? A sign is a symbol that gives credibility or validity to something else. Like it bears witness to what I'm saying is, what I'm saying about this other thing is valid and here's the indication of that, here's the sign. So a divine sign that the plan that I'm telling you is going to happen will really happen would be something like turning water into blood and then back to water again, or a staff into a snake, and then back into a staff again, or putting a celestial object in the sky that wasn't there before, right? We actually have a parallel story to this one told in the account in Matthew that does everything right, where God gets it right. God invites the right people, Wise, wealthy people from a far distant land. God puts the right sign out there. A star in the sky. Right? So God does it all right in that story. The only thing he gets wrong is he does it too late. Those people don't show up according to the story for a few months. (laughs) So if God wants somebody here tonight, it's going to be these people. But then listen to the sign. This is a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That's just wrong. It's just a bad sign. It's common, simple, crude, unimpressive, untranscendent. Baby getting born is lovely, but it happens all the time. There's nothing unusual about a baby being born. And then lying in a manger? That is diminished, as rude, crude, unclean as can be. Except, it is the perfect sign for a group of shepherds. Right? You think about the other kinds of signs that could be given. A star in the sky, you need to have education about stars to understand what that meant. And to do something based on it. <clears throat> 
You think about a sign that directs them to a place in town that's nice, to the local government building, or the nice church or chapel. Immediately, they would be thinking, well, I can't go there. Right? <clears throat> Even if I clean myself up, I will make people nervous if I walk into that place. But a manger. <laughs> They're going, oh, a place where they keep animals. I can go there. I can walk into that place as who I am and feel completely at home. And the writer goes to great pains to tell us that that's exactly what the shepherds do. They hasten. They hurry. They go now. They do not stop off at home to take a shower. On the way to the stable, they do not try to expunge the scent of the field and of the sheep. They do not shake off the debris. They carry the field with them into this place. Right? <laughs> and so they go, and they show up at the stable, and it's amazing. It's this incredible occurrence that just works for everybody. Right? First of all, it works for them. They show up, and they get to this place, and they see it's just what we thought it was going to be. It's just what God said it was going to be. And they come completely as who they are. They don't have to become different. They don't have to get cleaned up. They don't have to change themselves in any way to come to this place where God says a Savior is there for you. And they walk in and it's like, oh, it's true. It really is for us. I can be who I am in this place. God has been paying attention to me. God has orchestrated something through which I can encounter God coming into my world. You know, but I think about it too for Mary. Okay, so, so Mary has had her own uh, alert that has come. You're going to bear the anointed one and bring the anointed one into the world from God, God's own child. And she's a little upset and disturbed, and it's fine, but then she kind of comes to terms with it, okay. Now, if I were her, I would also then be thinking, but does this come with any perks? Right? Like, if this is God's child, maybe now I'll get, I don't know, a chauffeur or a personal chef or at least a massage once a week. But instead, what happens to Mary is as this story unfolds, she and Joseph, life gets hard. It kind of goes from bad to worse. When the time comes to deliver the child, they have to go somewhere where there are no relatives, nobody's with them, they're all alone. And when they get to that place, there's not a good place for them to stay, so they end up in the stable, in the manger, and so if I were Mary, I might be wondering, I don't know, it's not in the story, but I might be wondering, you know, was all that real? And if it was God, like, where are you? How do you help? What do you do? And so then in that place, she's there. Now the shepherds, mind you, are coming just for themselves, just to see, is this real? 
They burst into the room, and at first, I'm sure Mary's a bit puzzled, baffled, but then she hears their story. And so at this moment, she's had Elizabeth, yes, but that was quite a while ago. Here's their story. You won't believe what God told us. And so it's this witness. It's this confirmation. Oh, God is in this. God is participating. And she sees the place, and she hears the voices. And she, too, gets, oh, this is the right place for this to happen. This is who this is for. Right? And so it's this wonderful confirmation. And I kind of imagine, this is what came to me yesterday, so this is hot off the press. <laughs> I had the feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm witnessing the first church service. Right, The first church service. People who've come to encounter the living God as Jesus completely in who they are. In this simple place, no obstacles, no barriers, nothing. This is the first church service. Gather around Jesus. And my last musing, before I bring it to a close, I had this wondering too, and again, this is just a complete wondering, okay? When a baby is born, there's always a story, because it's kind of this both dramatic and traumatic event. It's this launching, it's super important. And so you tell the story again and again. My wife gave birth to five children, five of ours. We know the stories. We know which ones went fast, which ones went slow, which ones were more or less painful, which ones were a little more or less chaotic, and we tell the story, right? It's a part of what we do. And so I'm thinking of Jesus (laughs) and what his birth story would have been and how things played out for him. Oh. We were all alone. But then who came? Shepherds. The shepherds came. And we realized we were in the right place. God was present. It was lovely. We understood who God was for. And I think about this for Jesus. One of the central metaphors that he uses to describe who he is in the human community, how God works with him, is what? The shepherd. Right? That's who he models himself after, who he inhabits. Now, I know he could have gotten there. Shepherds were a thing back then, right? He didn't need this. He didn't need this as a birth story. Who knows? But I like to imagine it this way, that this is what was told. Shepherds came. Shepherds witnessed. God sent shepherds to you. This is who you were for. And so Jesus inhabits this, and it becomes meaningful to him, right? As time goes forward, the shepherd. The shepherds were there. They witnessed me. And so I think about this for us. I think, first, I want our church to have this as a foundation of the church service. This place where anybody can come in who they are, not having to have been cleaned up at all, fully comfortable, no obstacles, You and I just bring our real selves into this place, gathered around an encounter with the living Jesus, right? That is just a lovely, lovely model. But then I think about each of us, too. Now, these individuals, as with so many, were systemically, you know, because of systems pushed out, God paid attention, saw them, came to them, said, I'm here for you. I truthfully think 
no matter who you are, when God comes to you and says, I've been paying attention to you, I know you, I trust you, I want to include you, I value your voice, I think all of us have the sense of, oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> not me. I'm too small, I'm too little, I'm too insignificant. And God just says, I see you. I come to you, I pay attention to you, I call you. And so this is my hope for us, that each of us can hear that voice of God this Advent season, that we can be this kind of faith community, and that we can just perceive God in this way, that this is who God is, this is what God does, this is how God comes. So the band can come forward uh, as we prepare for the rest of the service, for sharing communion, for a musical worship together, um, I'm just going to pray a brief prayer for us, and then I'll lead us into the rest of the service. <clears throat> so God, I thank you for this vision. I thank you for how you see everybody. There's nobody who you do not see and perceive. There's nobody who you do not invite. Um, Nobody to whom you do not alert us to your presence, to your coming. I pray that that'd be something each of us would taste this Advent season. I pray too that as we respond, we would understand that what we do and say goes beyond just ourselves, blesses others in the way the shepherds blessed Mary. And I pray too that we'd be this kind of church that's just through and through welcoming, safe, with you alive at the center, Jesus.